Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, January 24th, and this is your FT News Briefing. NATO is one step closer to getting a new member, and Arab nations are getting ready to unveil an Israel-Hamas peace plan. Plus, Hong Kong's markets have been hit hard over the past few years. Now there are a couple of efforts to get it back in shape. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Turkey's parliament finally voted in favor of Sweden joining NATO late last night. It's been saying that it would approve Sweden's NATO bid since July. Now it goes to Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, for approval. It's a signal to Russia that NATO stands united against Moscow and its war against Ukraine. Now Hungary is the only other holdout, but it's broadly expected that Budapest will follow Turkey's lead. Arab states are working on a peace plan to end the conflict between Israel and Hamas. It's expected to be unveiled within weeks, but it's likely to face a lot of opposition from Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. Andrew England is the FT's Middle East editor, and he joins me now to discuss why. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Mark. All right, so tell me about the details of this Arab peace plan. What does it look like? From the beginning, Arab states have been pushing for a ceasefire, but they also realize that they've got to start thinking about what happens the day after. So when the guns fall silent in Gaza, what next for the Palestinians? And at the root cause of this in many people's minds, including Arab states, is the absence of a Palestinian state. And as long as these there is no Palestinian state. There will always be Palestinian militancy and fighting for the creation of or the establishment of a Palestinian state. So the idea behind this initiative is Israel, the Palestinians, the Middle East, for there to be security for all of those actors, there needs to be a two-state solution to the protracted Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And the one thing that the Arab states think that they can offer Israel as a carrot, as an incentive is the prospect of normalization with Arab and Muslim states that have no formal diplomatic ties with Israel, particularly Saudi Arabia. Uh, Saudi Arabia has long been seen as kind of the main prize for Israel as it has long sought to uh, establish relations with, you know, erstwhile hostile neighbors in the Arab world. Yeah, and normalizing relations with Saudi Arabia would be a huge win for Israel. But what does Netanyahu make of this plan? Actually, what Netanyahu's done, he's actually boasted that, you know, he's worked against the creation of a Palestinian state. He's been repeating that in speeches in recent days. I mean, he's overseen the creeping annexation of the occupied West Bank, and he is robustly speaking out against it. But I should say that, you know, given the atmosphere in Israel, the trauma and the rage in Israel after October 7th, you know, it would be very hard for any mainstream Israeli politician to start advocating for a two-state solution. For you, what is the most significant part of the plan drawn up by Arab states? And does it have any hope at all of being implemented? That could be a huge challenge to 
get this over the line, to get Israel to agree to work towards a two-state solution. It would require a new Palestinian leadership, a new Palestinian dispensation, both in the West Bank and in Gaza. It would require a focused, sustained US pressure on Israel. Israel can deliver Hamas multiple blows, severe blows, but it can't defeat Palestinian militancy as long as the Palestinians feel oppressed, feel stateless, and as long as they feel they have a cause to fight. So that's why the Americans, the Europeans, Arab leaders, everybody's in full agreement that as difficult as it may seem, there is the only one solution, and that's the Palestinians having a state. Andrew England is the FT's Middle East editor. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. So the Hong Kong stock market has been having a rough time lately. The Hang Seng Index fell almost 14% last year, which made it one of the worst performing benchmark indices across all large markets. Just generally, the Hong Kong Stock Exchange has done poorly. But there's a leadership change on the horizon for the exchange, and the big question is, will it get it back on track? The FT's Asia financial correspondent, Kay Wiggins, is with me now to talk more about it. Hey, Kay. Hi, Mark. So give me a sense of what's going on in Hong Kong, Kay. Yeah, so there are big questions and big changes around the kind of role of the future of Hong Kong as a financial center. And obviously, the stock exchange is central to that. And... What's been happening over the past few years is that lots of investors have significantly less appetite now than they once did for buying shares in the the Chinese companies that really dominate Hong Kong's market. And that basically started around sort of 2021 when there was a series of crackdowns from Beijing. You know, that wiped huge sums of money from the value of like internationally listed Chinese companies. And just made investors like really, really much more wary, much more nervous about buying shares in those companies. And so all of that has had a huge impact on Hong Kong. So all in all, it's a pretty tough climate for the Hong Kong Stock Exchange and probably not an easy one to manage. Who's in charge over there? You know, the leader of the Hong Kong Stock Exchange is absolutely at the center of Hong Kong's kind of financial establishment. It's a really prominent role and a really prominent institution in this city where the stock exchange just has a big presence. So we're going to see a change at the top of the Hong Kong Stock Exchange this year. So the outgoing CEO is called Nicholas Aguchin. Everybody calls him Gucho. He will be leaving when his term expires in May and he'll be replaced by a woman called Bonnie Chan, who has previously been head of listings. Okay, before we get to Chan, let's start with Gujo. What should we know about his reign at the top of the exchange? So the way to sort of think about Gucci, I mean, he's this kind of charming, outgoing, kind of smiling banker. You know, he was a rising star at JP Morgan before he moved to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. He is the first person who's not a Hong Kong or mainland Chinese citizen to actually take the role at the top of the stock exchange here. When he joined in May of 2021, it was really widely seen as a kind of bet on kind of Hong Kong's role as an international financial centre. You know, we're presenting this international face to the world. What happened within weeks of his arrival in that job was that everything changed. So that was when Beijing launched all these sort of crackdowns. And at that point, I think people start to say, have we made the right move here, appointing this type of a figure in this type of a time? Okay, so 
Bonnie Chan is next up at bat. Can she turn things around? Well, one of the biggest things that the Hong Kong Stock Exchange has to think about is what's going on in mainland China. And more and more companies that would have previously listed in Hong Kong are listing there. And mainland China is having a greater influence. And so that's really important. And, you know, Gucho didn't speak Chinese. So Bonnie's experience has been dealing with the mainland. So she just has much more experience of of those relationships. Basically, she's a very different figure from Gucho. And so... It's a reflection of what's changing in, in Hong Kong in many ways, right? And how it is. If you think of the days when, yeah, it would want to appoint a foreigner who would present an international face to the world, that has just changed. And it's very difficult to see that coming back. It's very difficult to imagine a time in the future when that would happen. And so, viewed from the mainland, Hong Kong is potentially becoming smaller and less significant. Uh, and that is the issue that the exchange will have to grapple with. Kay Wiggins is our Asia financial correspondent. Thanks, Kay. Thank you. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.